Recording. Please stop me, you hit it a bit sooner than that. I, yes. All right, everyone, welcome back to the long-awaited Busted Header podcast return. I'm Chris, a.k.a. NotTheFakeWebby on Twitter and InfamousWeb on Reddit. As usual, I'm joined by the one and only Jake, who answers to Halbertius on Twitter and Reddit. It's been... How, how long ago did we do the soccer podcast that didn't get up because all of us screwed up with our mics? Because <laughs> we were all... That was like... Self. That was... March? Oh, we were off the rails. Yep. Um, my team wins. Mm. Mm. And and I think the last one we actually published was in like December because yeah. it was before the Andre Drummond trade. Yep. It's, so we're going to relitigate that. <laughs> Please no. We're not going to go back through that. Um, but we are going to go through a couple of the trades, kind of keep up to date on what happened in the last whirlwind last couple of days, um, and then also go through the draft. So we're going to start out with kind of the vegetables of the podcast. We're going to go through all <laughs> all of the trades. Uh, that leaves us with a much different roster than what we left it with last. So. It, it's not normally acceptable to call people vegetables. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to just we'll call them the put that out there. And some of them are. <laughs> the players are definitely not. Uh, so we could... Stefanski is definitely a cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first trade that happened way back on, what was that, like Monday? Was the Bruce Brown, or at least... What was announced was Bruce Brown traded to the Nets for Dizon Musa. Or Close that... enough. Uh, twenty twenty round second round, a twenty twenty one second round pick um, from the Toronto Raptors and some cash. That later got spiraled into a bigger deal that sent Luke Kennard to the Clippers, um, sent Rodney Magruder to the Pistons, and sent Landry Shamit to the Nets. In addition, the Pistons got the nineteenth overall pick. From the Nets, I believe. Um, in it looks like it was just reported today. Um, sent four second-round picks to the Clippers as part of the transaction, uh, which is pretty much <laughs> all of our second-round picks. <laughs> it is from what I had seen on Twitter. I want to say Laz Jackson had this. Um, it's the 2023 Portland pick that's so protected it's probably never going to convey. A 2024 second, 2025 second, 2026 second. So pretty much every second round pick we have for the rest of the time is gone. So Yeah. So, this is one of those things, Joe, Joe Truck on Twitter said it pretty early on. You know, it's not Troy Weaver's team yet because this is Ed Stefanski's fingerprints. Mm-hmm. Ed has completely shown his disregard for second round picks repeatedly. Everyone is still pissed about not drafting Kevin Porter Jr. last year, which they're <laughs> wrong about, uh, but also the Davidas Servitas trade and giving up. Did we was that was there four involved in that one too? I don't I don't, I don't think remember. So, no. I, I don't care that... anymore. Yeah, but he he doesn't like second round picks and that's bullshit. So yeah. thanks, Ed. That's one of the many I think discrepan- or the disagreements that we have with the front office is just kind of how they've been just disregarding the value of some of these assets and only looking at long-term what's going to be a future star. And they're kind of ignoring these fringe assets that can be useful and help you trade up to get a star or get someone who can right. develop into a star. So, 
And it's kind of insane because like they we we got another one in this draft. We we mm-hmm. went out and got one, but like, however you feel about Andre Drummond, they didn't they didn't get sec like you you should have just asked for like three second round picks in that trade yeah. because the Cavs would have given it to you. Yeah. They would have just handed that stuff over because it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We we need to start asking for assets like that. You look at what Sam Presti's doing in OKC, just collecting stuff because yeah. stuff has value. It's disappointing. It's very very disappointing. Yeah, not the way I would personally prefer prefer to build a team. But regardless, we do have some good stuff to talk about. Uh, continuing on, let's see. We traded for <laughs> Trevor Ariza, and we got the 2020 draft pick of the Blazers, I believe. Um. With that deal, we also sent a protected future first-round pick. Uh, the protections are, in my opinion, a little bit light. I don't see why we traded a first-round pick for now to give up likely one in a couple of years, where it could be honestly better than the pick that we just got. So I'm not personally too fond of that trade, but it does give us did give us a nice pick spot. I'm, I'm ambivalent. I I think it's so we got the 16. We protected the f- the future pick, sixteenth uh, or lower, so we can't we can't give up a pick better than what we got, mm-hmm. um, barring any any draft class being better or worse, whatever. Yeah. They definitely did make, I, I can't say a mistake, but um, the oversight I think is that it doesn't become seconds for like four years, mm-hmm. and it's like, to to me personally it should become a second after like 2023 2022 not 2025 or whatever it is so that that's definitely you're you're not helping yourself there cuz you're basically saying that unless we are absolutely terrible and this front office has already been fired for you know being totally inadequate you're going to give up a first rounder so yeah. i mean part of that is probably you got to have second round picks to <laughs> make it protected to go to the second round that I, might be true yeah. which is another fair. annoyance with our repeated trading way of second round picks and disregarding the value there which actually how does that i don't really know i'm gonna be honest with this with the se- with the seconds <laughs> we, we gave up in the up. nets pick there might be some some interesting things where they have to be protected so that they can go to the whoever we uh, was it portland who gets that? uh is it portland or houston i, I don't even know i, I don't i, I do houston. houston it was houston yeah. But because Ariza came from Portland to Houston and now is going to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, All right. right. And then finishing up with, I believe, the draft night trades. I'm still not even sure. I'm pretty sure that Troy <laughs> Weaver is still sending out deals. Um, we got Tony Bradley from Utah in a cash dump in addition to a second round pick that turned into Saban Lee, who's going to be the first uh, prospect we're going to cover in a minute here. And I've seen that he's going to be playing on a uh, two-way role um so hopefully we take advantage of that and i mean with this season with everything going on with COVID and all that uh we probably will have to but my my hope is that we see a bit of him kind of playing up for the pistons so but we'll talk about him more in a minute uh the last deal that happened i just want to step in here and say t- uh bradley was pretty solid yeah. last year yeah. so that unlike like i think Dazan Musa is kind of a throwaway piece. I don't actually like mm-hmm. him unless he gets a lot better. Jalen Hands, who we got in the Nets, yeah. Luke Kennard mess, is not good. Um, 
He's basically just an athlete who isn't a basketball player mm-hmm. yet. And Rodney Magruder, I don't really have a appreciation for unless he gets a lot better, which he's not going to because he's older. None of those guys are really players I care about or even want anywhere near the team. But Bradley was a good rim protector, and especially if Christian Wood is out, which seems likely mm-hmm. Tony Bradley is going to get some minutes, and he should play pretty well. He was pretty good for uh, Utah last year. Yeah, we can talk about that real quickly. I I was trying to, with all these trades, get together kind of a cap number and see how much um, room the Pistons even have to go for like resigning Christian Wood. It's all funny money anyway. Yeah. I mean, definitely, with the amount of contracts we have that we could probably easily move, but we would have to attach some kind of probably asset to it. At the moment, we don't really have that. Um, yeah, and it, we're being told that Dwayne Dedman's on the move anyway, which could change everything at any minute. Yeah, so. which I'm very curious to see. It's probably going to get broken while we're recording. But um, So with, right right now, from what I can see, uh, we have a total cap space of 11,607. Um, once you include his cap hold, we're down to 9875 um, left with cap space so I'm still not exactly sure the particulars of it but from what I had read we can't from what I read we can't go over our cap space since we didn't we don't have bird rights to Christian Wood um, since he hasn't obviously been on the Pistons or I believe we have the early early bird bird rights rights, but that's only I think 125 percent or yeah, it's, it's not a whole not, lot of money, and he's gonna much. want <laughs> he's gonna want more than that. So we can offer him somewhere in like ten million range. Yep. So at the moment, I think we can offer him probably ten eleven, which is a little bit more than the middle of exception. But I think if I'm Christian Wood, I don't want to come back here, and I want to if I can get near mid level exception money, I'd probably want to go to a contender. So I've seen a lot of rumors for Boston. Right. I've seen some rumors right. for the Knicks. So. We'll see what happens, but don't hold well, it. Well, and so the big thing here is that the Pistons have to figure out a way to get enough money that they can re-sign him for more than the um, than the other team, and then get a sign and trade deal. That's the goal. So you, you want to move off Deadman's contract. You want to have twenty million in cap space, so that when someone else says, "Hey, sign him to eighteen million a year," and then you know we want him at that number, and then we'll give you something for it. Yeah. That's the goal. And right now the Pistons don't have cap space to sign him to anything bigger than that number. Yeah. So we really don't have leverage for yep, signing. Yeah. Signing trades can get really tricky once you're over the cap. So And they, they kind of screwed up the signing. You can only get one other player back in sign-in trades. So they kind of screwed that up a couple of years ago when mm-hmm. the CBA changed. So there's signing trades aren't quite as prevalent as they were yep. 10 years ago. But. Yep. All right. Um, and I think the last trade, of course, we talked about Dwayne Dedman. Um, he did get traded for Kyrie Thomas and Tony Snell, um, but we don't expect him to stay long. There's been a lot of reporters, and I think I saw James say it first, um, that expect Dwayne Denman to be on the move. So we're just waiting for official confirmation on where he's eventually going to end up. It's kind of sad to see Tony Snell go. I kind of liked him as a Piston. He was better than I, eh. I guess, had initially thought. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens with the rest of the trade. Kyrie Thomas, uh, I've seen, is already going to be waived by the Hawks, so it sounds like that is... Go get your yep, money overseas, buddy. G League or overseas is where he's probably going to... Yeah, he, G League's a lost cause yep. from at this point. He did really well in the G League, but every time he got up to the NBA, he, he pretty much proved that he didn't have the vertical pop or the or the, the burst to play in the NBA. There's just a kind of a hard line you got to get over, and he mm-hmm. didn't have it. So 
which is too bad because I liked the idea of him. But he'll he'll make plenty of money playing in China or overseas. He's he's a good player. He just doesn't have the athletic ceiling he needs. Mm-hmm. And then before I forget, uh, one note I did forget to throw in that Justin Patton got traded to the Clippers, I believe, in that mm. Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown mess. <laughs> Which is actually kind of surprising because he was um, Troy Weaver's first mm-hmm. signing days after he uh, took the job. So it's interesting that Weaver gave up on him. Basically, I mean, they've had one camp. Yeah, <laughs> not so, been a whole lot of time. They didn't last long. All right. So with that being said and done, let's move on to the draft picks. <laughs> All right, so moving on to the draft picks, we're going to start at the bottom, kind of do it backwards. Um, so the first thing is the second round pick uh, that got traded in the Tony Bradley deal to the Pistons, uh, which is going to be Saban Lee, who we said is expected to sign a two-way deal with the Pistons um, and spend some time down the G League. Um, he is a point guard out of Vanderbilt. He played there for three years, um, had a lot of, he got to step up a little bit due to injuries to some of their other uh, kind of higher draft picks. Um, he is 6'2 with a 6'9 wingspan, and he is a what, 20, 20 and a half, so he's halfway through his uh, 20 year, twenty years on this earth. <laughs> uh, Jake, tell me a little bit about him, I don't know anything about him. Well, so we cut, uh, well, we didn't re-sign um, the bone Jordan train. Bone, and this is kind of the, the bone replacement. Um, freaky athlete, 6'2 with a 6'9 wingspan, so plus 7 wingspan, really, really good stuff from a, from a point guard. If you look at his highlight reels, you're going to see a lot of him like absolutely posterizing people. That's what he does. He's got. Uh, yep, I saw a couple of those. Yeah, he 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 runs fast, jumps pretty high. He plays absolutely fearlessly. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a whole lot going for him when it comes to being able to shoot or pass, and his defense comes up and down. So he's going to spend a lot of time in the G League. It's a little nicer for him this year and for the rest of the G League because they will be playing in. Uh, Detroit. Right? I want to say it's next year. next year. I was talking with Joe about this on Twitter. Might be next I year. Think it, I think it's next year, but I'm not positive on it. Either way, regardless, it um, he'll be in the G League. He's got to learn how mm-hmm. to pass. Um, he had basically a one to one assist turnover ratio, which for a, a lead point guard is just not okay. Um, but he'll put a lot of pressure on the rim. He gets by everybody. He'll threaten to dunk it. And if he can learn how to make simple plays and simple passes, and if yeah. he can learn to shoot a little bit, he'll be good. His his form's a little wonky, and his feet are all over the place, mm-hmm. so he's got a ways to go shooting the ball. He's 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 got um, like some floaters and some some inside the arc stuff going for him to yeah. uh, to help him out. But yeah, I'm just looking he's at got his, a lot of work to know, some of the stats on Basketball Reference. Looks like his. I mean, he's a, yeah. and he's a typical a second round pick. I mean, it's not. It's, it's not anything unexpected. It's what you get for the thirty-eight. Is that where we got? We got them. Yeah, I've yeah. Been, in my notes, thirty-eight. Yep. <laughs> Look at us, professionals. We have it all here. Um, yeah. So, kind of one of the things I noticed is free throw percentage was not great in college. Like, he was seventy-two percent free throw shooter, which is, I mean, good but not great. Yeah, yeah. not elite touch by so any means. It sounds like just mainly the the main bulk he's going to bring is kind of some highlight plays. So, with the way Pistons can kind of get distracted by shiny objects, I'm a little nervous about that. He'll posterize someone <laughs> in the G League, and we'll have people saying he should start over Rose. But 
Yeah, well, as long as his uh, assist turnover ratio stays pretty consistently where it's at, it'll be mm-hmm. pretty easy to point to why yeah, he's so not playing. The main thing to work on in the G League is passing. And holy crap, was he averaging five turnovers a game? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. So hopefully, not five. Not oh, five. I'm where, where, are looking at, where are you seeing five? I'm looking at the wrong one. <laughs> like, yeah, you're looking whoa. at his per hundreds. Okay, yeah, yeah, with the wrong line. <laughs> no, no, four four point two assists yeah. to three point one turnovers. Which is yeah. pretty a pretty tight margin. Mm-hmm. So one point two assist to turn. So it sounds like he's kind of like the so, got the NBA great. body. Just needs to speed up to the game. So for a second round pick, I mean, what more do you really want for that? Yeah, the the one thing I really hope to see, like he needs to develop as a passer. That's that's like a project. It's also just like you need to see him play defense because mm-hmm. he's sick, he's got the six nine wingspan. He's got all the athletic tools. He's got to play smothering defense and that's what'll get mm-hmm. him out of the G League and onto the team. Cause if it was if it was you know, if it was just passing, like Jordan Bone looked fantastic last year, which just kind of as a side discussion t- was pretty sad to me that Bone didn't see time, especially to the mm-hmm. end to to end the year. Because if you're gonna get guys to buy into yeah. playing into your G League team they need to believe they have an actual path yeah. to the NBA. And if you can play as well as Bone did and not get, you know, like a full game to really play. And I don't know if Bone played yeah. like more than like I can't 12 think of a time a when I saw I don't him more than a couple minutes stretch. Like, that's it. You know, that that that's a concern. How how can you how can you promise a guy that if he does all the right things mm-hmm. he's going to get a chance because Bone did. Um you know, like I think Lewis King got as many minutes as Bone did and Lewis King was abysmal. So um, and we really don't know what his his status is right now. His mom, yeah, I think, tweeted like, like the, "Oh, here we go," <laughs> or something. I, I saw Laz Laz tweet that, and I was like, "Oh, oh, we yeah. might we might see him cut." Nothing official but, on that. Um, so anyway, value your your G League, give guys chances, mm-hmm. especially because you're going to be a shitty team this year. You, you can't you can't be holding out on guys. There should be plenty of time for them to see some playing minutes coming off the bench. So, yeah. All right, moving on to the first of the, or well, excuse me, the last of the first round picks. Um, it is going to be Sadiq Bay. Did I get it? Yeah. Nice. That one was not a hard I one. Ho- I hope you got the last name right, because if you if you screwed the last name up, that'd be really bad. <laughs> well, it's it's a short one, but I mean, I could pronounce it wrong. So. Um, Bay. <laughs> anyway, so he is a six eight uh, small forward out of Villanova. He played there for two years. Um, I don't. We didn't put his wingspan in. Oh, Put his wingspan of the notes. <laughs> That's what I go on here. I need a six ten wingspan. Wingspan's a plus two. It's it's right there six, in the wingspan. second paragraph. Okay. Yep, I saw it. <laughs> uh, but he looked to be a good three point shooter. I can see that he was shooting forty five percent from three in college, which is impressive. I mean, that's pretty good. good. It's good. He's a good. He's a good shooter. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Sadiq. So so you're right. He's a good shooter. He has a slightly lower free throw percentage than you might expect mm-hmm. from a, a, a good three-point shooter, just 77%, which isn't bad by any means. It's not elite. Um, it's a little bit – his shooting form, he has a bit of a, like a hunch to him, mm-hmm. um, which like gives him a little bit of interesting upper body movement. Uh, he's a good shooter mostly because he gets his feet in great positions very consistently. He's shown he can shoot from five feet behind the line comfortably. Um, he should walk onto the team as a good shooter. He's from Villanova. He knows how to play. Mm-hmm. You know, they, uh, Jay Wright's a great coach. Yep. He knows how to cut. He knows how to move. He knows how to shoot. He's got some interesting upside as a playmaker 
and kind of a maybe even like a dribble handoff guy moving forwards. He he did some pick and roll stuff where he's a, he's a slithery guard. Um, Mike Schmitz did his draft express interview thing with him on ESPN and used um, Chris Middleton footage as a comparison. Mm-hmm. And Bay is not there yet, but you can kind of see the way Middleton drives and, and manipulates. You know, never in a hurry, always just kind of poking his way into the lane that's something that that bay has done in the past and can do can, can kind of grow into that role maybe moving forwards mm-hmm. um right now he doesn't shoot at all off movement or off the dribble that's something i really hope he he develops moving forwards because you know the, the dribble handoff like one dribble pull up from three that like reggie bullock and luke Kennard and Svi do mm-hmm. if he can do that from the three or the four position is a game changer for his game and for the Pistons and whoever he's playing for. He's a good passer. Uh, he, he makes good decisions. He he knows where guys are. He is not yet a good passer when it comes to reads, like help defense reads and finding guys like up the mm-hmm. wing. Or like if the shooter's behind him, he doesn't he doesn't make that pass yet. Yeah. Um, I think that's something he can kind of grow into. He's, he's a smart kid, um, but he's, he's got to learn that. Uh, he is a little old for his class. He's he's almost well, not almost. He's he's twenty one point six years old yeah. now, almost twenty two, kind of. He's a pretty good defender. Defends fours pretty well. He's very strong. Um, does a pretty good job around the rim. He he uh, rides drives down to the paint well. Gets up vertically very well. The big question for him is how he handles agility. Doesn't turn his hips great. Um, once he's got to turn and chase, he has to rely a lot on his length. He doesn't have the foot speed to catch up to guys. Um, as long as he's moving side to side, he's fine. He closes out well. The big thing I noticed today watching film is that I don't know if he's ever going to be great getting around screens. It seems like he's just got like really broad shoulders and really doesn't have that. You know how when guys get around screens, they're like you turn your back to the screen and like they arch their back and they kind of wrap the shoulders around mm-hmm. the screener. That's kind of how the tech – he doesn't have the flexibility in his back, it looks like, to really pull that off. He always plays kind of hunched forward a yeah. little bit. Okay. Um, and that's just one of those weird things where I don't know if he's going to be able to – like it's, it doesn't look like it's a willpower or a technique thing. It just seems like he just physically yeah. doesn't his body have doesn't go that direction. some sort of it factor for it. Um, you know, but I think like baseline comparison, you're looking at like a Jay Crowder type. Mm-hmm. Defense threes, defense fours, strong inside hits threes you hope he can grow a few more unique wrinkles to his offensive game you know we we talked about how insane the luke canard trade and all that shit was earlier (laughs) you know purely in isolation the value of the 19th pick this is a great pick Mm -hmm. for detroit yeah i think we really like the value and from what i've read and what i've seen from you and others on twitter it sounds like he's i mean he he looks like a good prospect and someone that can legitimately make a difference for a team um, I know I've seen a lot that he's kind of a tweener between three and four. Do you think it's going to be um, kind of a problem where he's not quite fast enough to be a th- like not quick enough to be a three, but not big enough to be a four? Or do you think it's something where it could be a strength that he could play both positions and kind of his defense will let him? He's play absolutely both. big enough. He, he's absolutely big enough to play the four, six eight, yeah. six ten wingspan, uh, two fifteen. If he if he has to play the four so regularly that he's like actually doing a lot of switching to the five and stuff then maybe he needs to put on a little bit more weight but he's got a good big frame 
and he's really, really strong and vertical around the rim. I, I think he can play the four pretty well. Um, most of the bigger threes, it would be fine. It would only be like anytime like the two guard that plays the three mm. because they're, you know, every somebody's playing small, that kind yeah. of thing. Like you may want to match small ball lineups by putting so him at be the a, four. So it would be like a normal three and then a small ball four kind of. Yeah. Yeah, not nominally he can play either one in most lineups. I, I don't think it would be that big a deal. You know, he could play alongside like Griffin at yeah. the three. I don't have any yeah. problem with that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want him playing against guys who are legitimately mm-hmm. fast. Um, or like someone like, I wouldn't be super confident putting him up against like a Brad Beal, yeah. <laughs> you know, at the at the shooting guard. Um, or like a, even like a C.J. McCollum who can kind of shake him pretty good. I, I don't know if I'd want that, but... Um, Threes should be good. Fours, I'm, I'm pretty confident about him defending yeah. most fours. Um, even even guys who are like post threats, he's he's pretty strong. Yeah, he seems um, like he seems like he got the the bulk for it. He's got a good upper body muscle yeah. density. So so hopefully a three and D defender would you say that's kind of like where we want him to be. Yeah, very very much a three and D archetype who who could definitely grow into something more if he gets a little bit more stuff going off the dribble or, or going off the pass. He's he's got potential to be kind of like a fringe all star. If things yeah. all go right for him, he's got Best a pretty high that's, ceiling. I mean, that's good. That's what you want for nineteen. I mean, yeah, at nineteen, that's great value. He most people had him projected like yeah ten eleven, like comfortably mm-hmm. within the lottery. So he's definitely named great value. Heard, so I don't like the way that we got there in terms of getting rid of Luke and stuff like that. But he does seem like a really good prospect, and I'm kind of excited to see what he can do. And especially if Ariza's here for a little while, maybe learn from Ariza. I think they kind of have uh, kind of similar bodies with that, and could. Maybe grow into that down the road, but Ariza is a pretty good comp for him because, especially like when Ariza was was younger, he was doing a little bit more like the point forward stuff yeah. every now and then. He was doing a little bit more self creation. So, and and hopefully, I mean, if you can get what Ariza was like on the Rockets and stuff out of Bay, that's a, that's a great yeah. baseline yeah. NBA player. All right, so moving on to the 16th pick um, that we got. Let's see, this was actually in the Trevor Ariza deal. Um, yep. So the draft pick that we got here is Isaiah Stewart out of Washington. He played one year there as a power forward. He's runs about six eight six nine with a four five or excuse me a seven five uh, wingspan. He is still nineteen, so still just a baby. Um, he was projected to go a little bit later in the draft, but it sounds like he went a little bit earlier than expected. Um, I would say we're both not the most fond of this pick, but. Try and give me some of the good for him. Well, so the crazy thing is that he has a plus eight <laughs> wingspan. He, uh, I mean, when you say like, oh, he's like six nine with a seven foot four wingspan, like because we're used to base ten math, that doesn't sound quite mm-hmm. as insane as it is. And then you realize <laughs> there are twelve inches in a foot, and you're like, holy shit, that's a plus eight. You know, you you, you kind of approach it, and you're like, oh, it's like a plus five, plus five. oh, <laughs> nope, no, it's not. Yeah. Um, and it, that, that sneakiness kind of appears in certain parts of his game. Like there's multiple times you'll watch him close out on guys and they'll think they can shoot over him cause he's only six, eight, probably in shoes or probably like mm-hmm. barefoot. He's probably six, eight. And they, they think, Oh, I'll shoot over this guy. And then he gets a fingertip to their floater or their, their shot because his arms just keep going. So that's kind of fun. It gives him. It gives him a really unique post game where he can he can score in the post because he just roots you out. He's he's really strong, um, one of the stronger yeah. players in the draft. 
He's really strong. He'll root, he'll get under you. He'll move you, and then he can finish around you with really good touch. Actually, he's got big hands and really good touch, moving on like the the sweeping hooks. Um, good post footwork. He, uh, we can talk about his deficiencies here in a second, but he's a guy where if this was 15 years ago, he'd be valued yeah. a lot higher than he was. Absolutely. Um, and if he and if he doesn't stick in the NBA, he'll have a, a career overseas. You know, he's he's a good player he's a guy who was absolutely dominant at Washington um despite Washington being kind of a mediocre team uh like he he's got he's got some interesting Mm -hmm. things to him the the big swing thing for him that will determine whether or not he really sticks around is his shooting he shoots 77 percent at the line which is a a, you know especially for a guy with big hands that's a really good number Mm -hmm. that belies pretty good touch um and he shows that same touch when he finishes. He, he's, it's a good promising thing. He shot a lot of like uh, reverse pivot jumpers from 15 feet in college. He tried some three point shots. He was yeah. not super efficient. If he gets efficient at the 15 to 8 foot, 15 foot jumper and like just passable as a three point shooter. Like you can at least see a role mm-hmm. in the NBA for him offensively. Right now, as just a post finisher, and he he doesn't have any pop um, to him whatsoever. He he yeah. jumps over phone books. That's about it. So, like he's yeah. not like a pick and roll threat. Yeah, just he, when it comes to lob dunks. Now he is a good threat to like seal guys, and then if you get stuck, you dump it off to him. Like I joked earlier on Twitter that uh, Svi is going to have a lot of like wraparound dump offs to Stewart for him to mm-hmm. like put up weird flippy shots because he's just gonna he's gonna screen he's gonna roll he's gonna seal and then he's just gonna be around yeah. um but he's not a vertical threat so you know he's he's got some limitations but if he can become a shooter even just passably those roles and in, in that spacing gets a lot clearer um and that's really gonna help him um, but there's definitely some downsides here too. Yeah, I think definitely what I've seen on Twitter in regards to this pick from kind of the optimistic uh, side of it is that people think that he can, you know, develop that range and kind of pull out to the three-point line. Which, if he does, I <laughs> I'd be a little bit impressed. But uh, just based on the film that I've seen of him, but it sounds like he's got a good free throw shooter in in college, which is always a good indication of what you can do in the pros. If he has a hard work ethic, it's possible. Yeah, it's the best indication. Yep, yep. Free throw shooting is the best projection, um, just because it's touch. If if you have good free throw shooting, it means that what you're doing with your upper body yeah. is probably pretty good. Um, and and it's the same. It's for Stewart. He's got a pretty good stroke up top. It's mostly about what he's doing with his feet when he gets his feet set, and and really gets his rhythm right. It's not a bad shot. I think he probably can grow into being a good shooter. The question is whether he can do that quickly enough to mm-hmm. stick around in the NBA. He's It's maybe one of those things where maybe he he ends up not sticking around, goes overseas, and comes back as an older player with a few more tricks in his bag and has a, a second run yeah. that's kind of in the cards for him maybe. Um, but he's got a lot of defensive issues yeah. to fix first. He's definitely not your <laughs> Andre Drummond. He's or like any... Christian Wood or something like that, where it's a very high-energy, rim-running uh, big. He's very planted. He's going to be very – his 
his ceiling is going to be determined by how he develops his skills, shooting and otherwise offensively, then how well he develops defensively and how much he can kind of put himself in the right spot, get some steals, get some, you know, like, uh, like blindside help and stuff like that. So, well, and and defensively, it's really hard to find a role for him because he just. Uh, I talked about this a bit on Twitter, but so he has. Re- he's, he we said it earlier. He he has no vertical mm-hmm. leap whatsoever. He, every single time he jumps, he jumps to the exact same height, yeah. which is about eight inches off the ground, and that's it. Something me and him have in common. He he just it just doesn't work for him. The good thing is he has a really great like catch radius. This is why he's like pretty good in the post. He really can just like mm-hmm. seal you and snag the ball out of anywhere. But like defensively, because he has no vertical leap, he doesn't yeah. like backpedaling. He really wants to get up into you because he knows that if he's backpedaling, mm-hmm. he's going to have to jump up usually, and he doesn't want to do it. Um, he keeps his weight like really far forward when he backpedals, which means that when he does have to contest, he actually ends up like leaning backwards to compensate and like jumping backwards, and that's not what you want to do. You want to have the the your your weight yeah. over your legs so that you can jump straight up. So he he limits himself pretty badly in that regard. He's not good at turning around and chasing. He's he's really bad at it. He was never asked to do it at Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, they played a zone, but uh, in the few times we've seen it, he just he's he's too wide. Basically, it, it takes him forever to turn around, and he doesn't have the the first step to like yeah. close in on guys. Um, you're really just hoping yeah. he he's he can contest with length. The saving grace he has is that he is pretty decent at sliding his feet, f- considering. That could be useful, yeah. You know, he's, he's not in, an amazing switchable guy, but he, he can slide and hedge, mm-hmm. so maybe you can get away with hedging him. And it's still asking a lot. So defensively, about the best you can hope for is that he's just defending the post a lot, uh, where he is pretty good because he's got a, a center mm-hmm. gravity advantage over just about everyone else. And he's, he's a very good rebounder. Uh, he... he Especially when it comes to his in-space rebounds, uh, he vacuums them up. You you can't box him out. Um, I should have mentioned that about Sadiq Bay as well. Sadiq yeah. is a really good, solid rebounder. So he, he he vacuums up rebounds. You know, you'd like to like compare him to Montrezl Harrell. You know, that's that's like who you would want to get when it comes to kind of like a garbage man with a strange physique, but he just doesn't have that bounce. You think that's a ceiling for Stewart as a Montrose hero? Well, he just doesn't have the bounce. Yeah. He doesn't have the energy to... Well, I, I shouldn't say that. He, he has the energy. He's absolutely a really hard worker, really yeah. high-motor guy. He was running up and down the floor in some of the highlights I saw, so he he wants to go for it. Right, and, and he and he runs hard. He seals early. Um, you know, it's a, actually a reasonable comparison is uh, who's the, the MSU center who was there until recently? Um the MSU Center, uh, Matt Costello. No, 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 no. The the big uh, post threat. Uh, oh, Derek Nix. No, not, it's got to be Nix. No, who's he was there just what? like two years ago. He was there two years ago. Pl- played it? alongside Tillman all the time. It I'm pretty sure it was Nix that we're talking Bug about eyes. here. We may need to take a break from the podcast now, <laughs> but I'm guaranteed. I'm positive it's Derek Nix. Derek Nix is 29. He played in like 2013. Ooh. Oh! Oh no! Oh no! Oh! <laughs> oh God! Oh! I can't. Bo- God! What is his name? 
I get the picture of now. Right, right. He like left early and went to. Uh... Yeah, he thought he was a better basketball player than he was. Um, come on. He was on the. He had a cough, a cup of coffee on the Hawks. What was his name? <laughs> this is ridiculous. I can't believe we can't remember this. The worst part is he used to be my, the background of my. Yeah. God, what was his name? Oh, please help! <laughs> please send help. Um. 20, this is gonna be fun to cut 18, out. 19, I'm not gonna cut it out. Our embarrassment lives forever. Um, I think it's more my embarrassment here that I can. Yeah, you are the MSU is. fan. This Nick Ward. Nick Ward. Thank That's you. That's what it is. A lot of Nick Ward uh, in him. God. Lots damn. of Nick Ward in him. Nick Ward, I think, was a little more bouncy. Nick Ward had a little bit like, more bounce, but a lot of the same defensive issues. I see. And, I see more Caleb Swanigan kind of and Isaiah Stewart like a. Like a more forceful Caleb Swain again, from what I've seen from the highlights. Uh, I mean, similar, similar archetypes. Biggie had a little bit more bounce as well, but um, yeah, that's why Derek Dix was the one that popped in my head. Because yeah, I, I have to confess, Nix may be an appropriate comparison, but I never watched him, so yeah, that was before your time, and I, I, I can't say, yeah. but um, so anyway, so it's, I mean, you people know what he is. I, the the comparison i have here in my notes is zach randolph like mm-hmm. i and i think that's pretty fair zebo um that's definitely know, the a, a really good like. player for for the nba eight years ago yep and obviously i think we we talked about it briefly at the beginning of the segment but uh this is abysmal value for the pick yep um yeah you, you know what regardless of what you think about Stewart, even if you like him there was absolutely nobody else who was going to draft him anywhere near there so mm-hmm. you know even if you swapped him and sadiq around and picked him in 19 i i you know you went after the 16 pick you got a good deal for the 16 pick and you spent it on a guy whose value was probably the 35th pick that's just yeah. not acceptable as far as i'm concerned so i i hope he works out i hope my uh, my fears about his ability to defend are uh, unjustified, or that he he gets better. But pretty, ba- I I don't know a single person who wasn't baffled by that. Yeah, I think it's definitely a pick where two three years on the road, we're like, why do we not grab player X Y Z there? If, I mean, if 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 Troy Weaver ends up getting run out of the building in three years because it just hasn't worked out, this is going to be the number one thing people point to and go, what the hell were we doing? Mm-hmm. But before we go, I do want to—I I can't go without mentioning um, his dad for having one of the greatest like segments the ESPN had that whole draft and like a very sad and somber draft, which was his dad, who I believe was a Jamaican, um, like he was born and raised in Jamaica, right? Yeah. Yeah. He so was born, born in Jamaica <laughs> and came over to be a chef, right? Well, he he came over and was a farmer, I think, and then he was, and then he moved to be a chef yep and he came and talked about how he <laughs> he brought his dad to his dorms and he started making him making him food always a little more fun than the guy who's like entire family has had cancer or something yep which is what espn likes to focus on yeah those are those are brutal all right so we got everything else out of the way now it's time for the main event so the first uh pick the piston side in the draft seventh overall we selected killian hayes a french point guard six five with what a six nine wingspan He's young, he's athlete, well, he's not an insane athlete, but he can move around, great shooter, seems great with the ball. Give it to me. Let's hear about the future of the franchise. I'm just going to warn you, you're not allowed to say anything bad about my large adult son. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I said it 
during the draft, but it's the first time the Pistons, you know, and I've only been doing this five years now ish. Mm-hmm. Like Stanley Johnson draft was basically my first draft that I paid really half an attention to, but like it's the first time the Pistons have ever picked exactly the guy I wanted them to draft, mm-hmm. which feels fantastic. You know, a big a big bonus is that Hayes is really young, nineteen point three years old right now. His uh, he would have been younger than nineteen if the draft had been held at a normal time, which is really young. That's really good, really great size. You mentioned at six five plus two wingspan isn't crazy, but at six seven, if yeah. he has to play the two um, for short minutes, like he can play the two. Uh, there's absolutely no point guard in the NBA now that we've stopped pretending that Ben Simmons is a point guard uh there's no point guard that should like brutalize him at all you know he, he's not going to lose that matchup to anyone um you know like his uh his weight hasn't been updated in a lot of places i know tankathon was still listing him at like 190 um but he's probably closer to about 210 now he's mm-hmm. put on a lot of weight um and just developed physically a lot over the last year or two so he's very strong and it really helps him because he's not super fast. Um, he's got pretty good functional athleticism, but it's just like the 70th percentile and everything. You know, he's just not crazy. Um, so being really strong and just like he's got a really good balance of muscle density. Um, so he's got good density in his upper body, so he takes hits really well. What he lacks in acceleration, he makes up for with pretty good deceleration. That's the secret to a lot of the step back shooters the james harden the luka Doncic. yep uh he he is himself a uh blossoming step back shooter right now the percents really don't match the uh the eye test he he shot 29 percent from three so that's you know on the surface pretty scary but when you watch him you realize that this was very much a guy given the keys to an offense and told to just go experiment Mm -hmm. and do stuff and it was basically his show and so he took a lot of bad shots (laughs) and a lot of hard shots and didn't take a lot of catch and shoot shots which he's not good at he has to he has to spend some time working on his catch and shoot looks but just generally you know we talked about free throw shooting and touch and he has great touch around the rim and he shoots 88 percent at the line he's going to be a good shooter Mm mm-hmm he just has to really work on bringing those fundamentals to his catch and shoots, especially because um, he really hasn't shot those, and he doesn't get his feet and his rhythm great on the catch and shoot. It, like his his upper body looks great; it's always about his lower body. You know, he goes to shoot step backs, and he gets like the dribble move right, and he gets the step back right, and then like he'll one of his feet will like slide slightly wrong when he when he lands for the step back and then he's he's all screwed up and he still shoots the step back and then it misses wildly and it's like okay as, as long as he gets that correct it's gonna be fine yeah give him some time and he'll have plenty of opportunities on some bad pistons right so i i think he projects as being a really good shooter like the 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 things he tries are things most people don't have the ability to try mm-hmm. and it might take him a little bit of time but then again, he's also he. We haven't seen him play in like seven months, and he's one of the guys who has most directly been very upfront with like, I am not the same guy I was yep. when you guys like. He's he's the other weakness that we'll get onto is he was no like he did not use his right hand. Yeah, and he's been extremely forceful 
in interviews that like I worked on this mm-hmm. all summer. I can do the stuff you say I can't. You know, I want to prove I can do this stuff. And hopefully he's right because, I mean, obviously he still has to prove it mm-hmm. and he's going to get those questions until he proves people wrong. You know, he may st- he, he's a guy who would not surprise anybody if he steps up and is doing things we didn't think he could, you know. And, and probably, I don't want to say he benefited from the strange draft cycle, but he may surprise people because of the strange draft cycle in a way a lot of people did. Yeah. Um, or wouldn't. No, that's one of the things that I'm kind of most looking forward to him is kind of the way he came out and said, like, right after the draft. I think he was in an interview with one of the guys, uh, it was 97-1 or something like that. Um, of course it was. And they, yeah, of course. <laughs> and they asked him about his right hand. He's like, yeah, no, I can play with my right hand now. I liked how confident he was in that and how much it sounded like he had worked on that. He was aware of what his weaknesses were, and he came out and he, I mean, hopefully got better at it. So, obviously, we're going to see how it translates in the end into the NBA here shortly, but I, there's a lot of upside. There's a lot to like about him. Um, one thing I know I, I kind of see in here in the notes and just kind of something I guess I haven't seen <laughs> talked about on Twitter or anywhere else is in regards to his passing. I've heard a lot of like, oh, he'll be great in a pick and roll. He'll be great in a pick and roll. But like in terms of running the offense, how confident are we that he can do that either from day one or maybe down the road when he takes over the reins from Derrick Rose. He's the only guard in this draft that's ran a professional style pick and roll with any regularity. Because for the most part, colleges don't space the floor the no, same way. It's a different game entirely. And and obviously help defense is different and everything. So, you know, it's it's not a fault of any college player that they don't have that experience, but like, you know, uh, LaMelo would be the obvious alternative. Yeah. And he's much more street ball, experiment, <laughs> and and do his own thing. And and I've I've said many negative things about Lamelo, but all credit to him, he's an absolutely otherworldly, brilliant mm-hmm. passer. But Hayes is very much, I go where I want to go, I get to my spots, I manipulate you to where I want to be, I read the tag man, I make the corner pass, I play <laughs> NBA style pick and roll, and he's had. His issues with turnovers, um, he's, he's like a 1.7 okay. assist to turnover ratio, which yeah. isn't bad, but he, it, it can't dip when he gets to the NBA. He's got to keep improving that. He's got to be efficient because um, he was averaging about five turnovers per 36, so that, that can't keep going mm-hmm. like that. But, but he's used to making NBA reads in the pick and roll, and he's used to manipulating the pick and roll like an NBA player, setting up the screen, uh, setting up for step backs, setting up to get downhill and then make the corner pass. Um, as we talked about, he was very, very left-hand dominant. He only wanted to go left because going left meant his live dribble was on his passing hand, and he threw brilliant passes with the left hand. I think um, if if Ball is the best passer in the draft, I think Hayes is still the best guy within an offense because he's the only one who's who's done that so far and and his problem was he didn't have the right hand so he almost always passed to the right side of the floor because you want to pass from your strong hand to across your body a a lot so obviously working on the right has been is a big deal because he needs to be able to pass to the left side of the floor and i I talk about this in in the stuff you're reading Mm -hmm. because webster here has a sneak peek at my article that will probably drop uh friday sometime when you when you go left to pass 
and then you cut back to the right, there's only one option for you if you don't have a right hand, which is to do the step back. Uh, left-handed shooters want to drive right so that they can step back and shoot left. So if he doesn't have a right hand, it's really easy to just kind of sit on him. You just either ride him down to the baseline if he's going left and just force him to take a bad shot, or you sit on the step back. So he's got to develop some counter moves to to what he does well, and he's got to learn how to chain his two strengths together. And uh, and I know he's working on that. And he's been very vocal about saying he's working on that, so mm-hmm. I hope we see it. Yep, and then just to kind of touch on, because I feel like a lot of people uh, kind of question any international prospect, um, where do you think his level of play was compared to college? Obviously, when, like, Luka Doncic came out, he was playing for Real Madrid and was, like, in one of the highest basketball leagues you can get in, except for the NBA. I know he was playing, it, it sounds like, in the Bundesliga, right. which is over in Germany. And and he was not playing on one of the better teams mm-hmm. in the Bundesliga. So um, the German league is fine. It's not great. It's not uh, La Liga. It's not. It's not the Spanish league. Like like Luca was playing yeah. on the best team <laughs> in the world. That's not playing in the NBA. I mean that that is an entirely different level yeah. of competition. I'd say the Bundesliga in general is a little better maybe than the NBL uh, where where Ball was playing. Both of them are better than your average college game. Like in terms of overall difficulty, they're probably about as hard as a good conference or mm-hmm. tournament game uh, in college. But obviously, you're playing with with men. You're playing with adults. You're playing in in more appropriate systems. So even though the difficulty may not necessarily be higher, like the the team balances and all that stuff in in college. Um, at that level, probably translate one to one, but just I think the what you learn and the lessons you learn from those are probably a little more yeah. appropriate. So, I think it's probably a little more pre- preparatory than than um, college ball. But I, w- I wouldn't say it's like Luca, where it's just like oh god, this is yeah. a huge step up. Or even someone like uh, uh, Denny Abdija, mm-hmm. um, who played for Was it uh, Barcelona. Did he play for? No, no, that was oh. uh, Leandro Balmaro played for Barcelona. I can't, remember. but but the team Adija played for is in the Turkish league, I believe, and like he was playing for a legitimately solid squad. That was probably uh, the the depth in that league mm-hmm. isn't as good as college, but his squad playing with those players was definitely better yeah. than your average. I mean, looking at the stats in the Euro Cup, ten games, shooting thirty nine percent from three, twelve points, six assists. That's, I mean, that's pretty good. Well, and, and the thing, the, the good thing for Killian is he absolutely was the best player on his team. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you're not going to be, um, you know, th- when we look at someone coming over from, like, a Real Madrid, a lot of times what we end up with is the guy, like, Leandro Balmaro is a good example of this, mm-hmm. um, uh, the Argentinian shooting guard from Barcelona. He didn't get a lot of minutes. He, he was a bench guy, a role player. You're drafting him on potential, but he didn't have a chance because he's behind a lot of really, really good guys who could probably play roles in the NBA. Yeah. For Hayes, there is not another NBA player on that team. He absolutely had to be the best player. You have to show that mm-hmm. if you're going to take that route, and he did. So that's that's definitely good for him. All right. Give me a best-case scenario and then a worst-case scenario for Killian in the NBA. Where do you think his kind of a ceiling could be and where do you think his floor could be? Um. 
I mean, he, he could be a multi-time all-star. No, no question. Oh, yes. I mean, give it to me. I, I don't, I don't know that he has like, he gets a lot of hardened comparisons cause he's a lefty with a lot of similar traits. I don't necessarily think mm-hmm. he can be an MVP. Like I think Harden's definitely a, a, still a grade above him athletically and slightly bigger. Um, and obviously he Harden is, has mastered <laughs> yeah. everything about himself at a level that is hard to attain. But if you have, you know, really good development for Killian, if the shot comes along, the right hand is good. And then he just, he's a, he, we didn't talk about it really, but he's a, he's a solid defensive prospect who should not mm-hmm. be a negative on defense um, and could eventually be a reasonably impactful defender just because he's so strong. He can definitely yeah. switch across like one through three. In that case, he can be an, an all-star and maybe make yeah. a, an all-NBA team or two. You know, he, he I don't know if he can be necessarily the best player on a title team, but he's going to be a guy where, or he could be a guy rather, where he is one of the two best players on a title team. I think I think that's fair. You see him like a, you see him like a Jamal Murray kind of ceiling? I think it, a little bit of his game reminds me a little bit of Jamal Murray, the way he's kind of slithering and kind of get through people. Maybe not with the same explosiveness mm, as Jamal. I, I guess I don't see that as much. I one of the comparisons he, I heard a lot um, on draft day was Goran Dragic. Yeah, and like if you think of like the way Goran Dragic peaked back when he was like still really athletic, and he made like an All Star team in Phoenix. I mean, hell, right now he's still putting up twenty a game. He's he's doing well. Good. Well, yeah, no, he's not the same athlete he is, but still. If you if you take Goran and you say Goran was a good defender mm-hmm. and maybe a little better shooter, like yeah. that guy is a multi time All Star. Probably. I mean, he made an all-star team yeah. in the West when the West was pretty good. So, you know, I, I think those are I think those are fair comparisons. You know, I, I think there is a little bit. I see a little bit of Reggie Jackson in this game, which I love. Um, I love that. Just uh, the, the the way Reggie used to like slither around in, in uh, the pick and roll and and like so that I think is kind of a, a good mid-level goal where like if you get it, if you're the 16th best starter in the NBA, like obviously that's not what you want. Yeah. You want him to be a lot better than that, but like that's a good average that's a good baseline, outcome. You know? And I, I don't see him ever being terrible unless like Markel Fultz magic happens to him or something weird. Yeah. So, so the main worry is the shot. The shot could just not be there and 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 if the shot doesn't translate, he's he's broken something yeah. because the shot's there. Yeah. So it, you know, it, barring injury, obviously, because that's always the the magic thing, but you know, unless he does something wild, I don't see. I don't see how he's not at least a starter in the NBA. Yeah, that's exactly what the Pistons need. So, all right, that's that's. I mean, that's. I had him number one on my draft board. He, I yeah. thought he was a legitimate number one pick potential. I, you, someone like that is not going to be someone who should bust out. You and Kevin O'Connor, so that's pretty company to have. So, I, I was ecstatic with that pick. That's been the highlight of <laughs> the last two years as a Pistons fan. So. Hopefully the there was like three Blake Griffin days. games in there that probably rank a little bit higher on moment to moment excitement. Yeah, I mean, I guess I got to go back to think exact times, but there was that one time that Blake Griffin destroyed the Raptors, the and that one time that Blake Griffin destroyed the Sixers. Yeah. Those were good days. And the days when Christian Wood came out and scored like thirty points out of nowhere, and it's like, oh, hey, he's good. I don't know. I've I I'm not as high on Christian as like the rest of Detroit uh, fans. Not not because he's bad, but because I always knew like. It was never going to mean anything to the Pistons. Yeah, what's the importance? Like there was a, there was a moment where it was like, oh, Blake Griffin might actually let us win like three playoff games and get yeah. you know 
a gentleman's sweep or something. I think it was just more the obviously he, that he didn't expected happen, Blake but... to at least do something. He was going to move the needle when he came in, but for Christian Wood to turn out to something that was something that was, I would say, more unexpected and kind of made you feel a little bit better. Well, I just I just knew like oh even if Christian Wood had, had played at his best all year and been like an all star, yeah. it was like okay the Pistons are terrible that year and I was never totally sure that they'd be able to keep him and now it looks like they can't and it's. I don't know. I like Christian. He's he's fun. I just I I've never been quite as attached to him as a lot of I, I would say it's like fellow fans. Blake are. is like getting, it's like paying for a twenty dollar pizza and getting a twenty dollar pizza. It's really good. It's what you expect. Christian Wood is finding a ten dollar bill in your pocket and you're like, oh cool. Didn't know I had that. But it sounds like he's on his way out anyway. So, uh, what? I pause. What? Pause. You 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 compare Blake to pizza. And then you don't make a pizza comp- because I, Where, how if I was are going to make a pizza to interpret this metaphor. Some normal like Domino's, Papa John's, whatever the heck brand, and you're going to say, "Well, that's not worth it." <laughs> so I had to, I had to import that. You analogy. could have been like, "It's like finding out that Jets is on sale," and or like you had options. It's like finding that a was small a terrible Jets metaphor. pizza, like in your car, hot and ready to go, versus like the. Free pizza is better than twenty dollar pizza. You your metaphors are shit. Eh, I've been paying for twenty dollar pizza if it's good pizza. Maybe I've been living in DC too long, and I've been paying for expensive ass <laughs> pizza. Because there's a lot of there's a lot oh. of brand new Detroit style pizza places in DC, and I still haven't tried them all yet. But I'm very excited to. Oh, the world needs more Detroit style pizza. Goddamn right. Any right. last things before we go? We're almost we're hitting close to an hour here, so. Don't hold you guys too long. That would make this the shortest podcast. I know. That's why I'm trying to get us out of here (laughs) for the people. No, just please don't make trades that give away all of our assets again. And I like Killian Hayes, and I think his glasses are adorable. Oh, my God. French Connection, baby. It's it's great on that alone. So, I didn't see any trades. Like, we haven't heard any news about Sekou Dumboya yet. scares me. And and as far as I'm concerned, that's a good thing, because everyone who's been talked about has been sold (laughs) off for pennies. That's true. So, (laughs) keep Sekou... Keep Killian, my little French yep. child, make me happy. Very French in Detroit, but Detroit. Yeah, we we got something to something to look forward to in the next season. So, uh, let's see. In terms of pods, I'm sure I feel like we can come back maybe for a post free agency one. I'm still not sure how this NBA season goes or what's going on. Uh, apparently, free agency starts soon. I I guess I don't know. <laughs> Although it sounded like it started a couple days We've ago. We've already had our first tampering accusation. <laughs> the Bucks are already under investigation. Or maybe it's the... the it's, I mean, it's probably um, going to be the Kings, honestly. The Kings. Somebody is under investigation for, for selling Bogdan Bogdanovich without telling Bogdan Bogdanovich that he actually yeah. is getting sold. I feel like if you're sending someone to Milwaukee, it's something you should probably tell them ahead of time. And not just be like, hey, by the way. <laughs> just... <laughs> on a sign and trade where you need their explicit consent and you literally cannot legally get it yet because... Kings gone just kings. Peak NBA kings right kings. here. <laughs> just when they start to make some good moves, they're going to do something crazy. Just wild. Yep. So. All uh, right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Play my music. Thumbs out. I noticed when I started editing this that we didn't do our normal dedication outro. And in lieu of that, I'd just like to say that Black Lives Matter. I know uh, Webster was at the White House with a shield in his hand this summer, and I couldn't be prouder of him for that. But we also know that this is on us to keep pushing forwards with our friends until each and every person is treated fairly and equally, not just in the eyes of the law, but in the eyes of the people. 
Uh, we believe that, and we're going to keep taking every step we see towards a better future. We thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.